Kumusta kayo aming kayong mga kapsad? Shakni Chachi, may sana host ito na podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Chachi, one of the hosts for Reclaiming Filipinox Identity. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing and having a little chat with a really amazing person that I have met through Phil Grad. And for those of you who may not be familiar of what Phil Grad is, Phil Grad is short for Filipino graduation, where your university, depending on which, celebrates those undergrads, graduates, PhD level who have accomplished a degree and it's a way to just showcase um, how much they have worked hard and this particular uh, for Philgrad, I was the social media coordinator where I handled the page and I asked Kailani to do a little spotlight on the graduate and now on Reclaiming, I'm able to hear her story and I'm really excited for you guys to hear what she had to say because I think it's through learning about where she came from and understanding her personal struggles when it came to embracing her identity and honestly the talk of identity especially with this podcast is very a huge uh, a topic of mine that i would i love to to talk about and really getting to know especially because i focus a lot on filipinos in hawaii and hearing their narratives and understanding where they are and what they have came to get to where they are now and in this episode particularly i love how kailani brings up this idea that despite feeling lost there's always opportunities for her to reconnect with her with her culture and I think that was something that I that got me because it's when you're lost that things will come about and lead you again to really get to know about where you where you where you come from and your identity and it's I believe it's it's how she explained it it's it's a lot about self-awareness and being able to have that sense of maturity so without further ado and i know that this intro is getting a little long but (laughs) i'm just very excited and very um really excited for you guys to hear for what's to come for this season four and particularly this first episode who i will be highlighting and for guys two i'm gonna stop talking and let kailani speak And welcome to Reclaiming Filipino Identity. My name is Chachi and I am the host for this podcast. And today marks the first season, the first season of our fourth season in Reclaiming Filipino. Today on the podcast, I had the pleasure to invite Kailani to be featured on today's episode. So Kailani, could you tell me a little bit more about yourself and who you are and your gender pronoun profession and which waves of migration are you from in terms of are you first, 1.5, second, third, and fourth generation? And feel free to mention anything um, in regards to who you are. Sure thing. Um, Hello, thanks for having me on. My name is Kailani. Um, My profession, I 
recently graduated from the University of Hawaii at Manoa this past spring semester, spring 2020. Um, so right now I am currently interning with the magazine called Lady Pacifica, which is a Pacific Islander run magazine and blog, which focuses primarily on Pacific Islander women as well as their stories. At UH, I majored in anthropology and have two certificates, one in Korean and the other in ethnic studies. My gender pronouns are she, her, and hers, and my generation. Um, I often find this question a little difficult to answer just because my family story isn't necessarily the same as others. Uh, a lot of those that I am close to that are of the Filipinx community, many of them um, immigrated with their parents as young children. For me, um, my parents were raised in Saipan, which is considered a U.S. territory. And so they moved to Hawaii uh, when they were freshmen in college. They had me here as freshmen, uh, as college freshmen. So I suppose that would make me second gen if we're speaking about being in the United States. Um, also, while at UH, I was I had the privilege of working for Kaleo Hawaii, which is the college newspaper. I started working as an intern summer of 2017 after graduating from Sacred Hearts Academy, also on Oahu. I started off as an intern, and when I graduated, I was the opinions editor and the co-managing editor for the paper. So very good times writing for them. Thank you. And as to flip the script, um, it's nice being able to interview you and taking the rest of um, interviewing people as well. <laughs> So to start the questions, um, you did mention that uh, you grew up, uh, your family genealogy, especially how your parents um, grew up in Saipan. So I correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. So as a second generation, especially for you growing up in a, sec a second generational household, uh, have you personally struggled in embracing your Definitely. Um, when you first reached out to me uh, about this podcast, I was a little hesitant because up until really my last year of college, uh, this past year, I, I think I've always struggled with identifying as someone from the Philippinex community. And it's not necessarily something that I'm ashamed of. It's rather just a, a part of my of my being that I don't think I ever really had the chance to fully connect with. Um, my parents had me when they were very young, they were freshmen in college. And while they were, um, you know, pursuing their degrees and whatnot, my grandparents who are from the Philippines, Ilocos Norte, uh, they would, you know, take me um, to Saipan uh, while my parents, you know, would focus on school and whatnot. So, I don't remember a lot of my growing up with them in Saipan and from my youngest age since being able to go to school a lot of it has been speak English. Um, I remember asking my grandma you know hey can, can you teach me how to speak I want to be able to learn you know the language that you and grandpa are speaking because my mother and her two sisters, an older and a younger sister, they're all able to understand and converse someone in Ilocano. My grandparents can also speak a little bit of Tagalog. So kind of, you know, being the first granddaughter, um, first niece on my mother's side, it's it was really disheartening for me because I wanted to hear and understand what, you know, my grandparents were saying to my parents. I wanted to know what words they were saying, but I couldn't understand. So when I asked my grandma if she could teach me, she said, oh, you don't need to, you know, just learn English because they come from the generation in which, you know, English is the language of the successful people. So they didn't really push me to learn more about my um, identity as someone of the Filipinx community. So because I never really had the chance to really learn the language and learn the culture through the language, I haven't really felt that closely connected to it. The the closest I could say was probably through the food, <laughs> which is pretty much the gateway for a lot of people, I feel, when it comes to learning about languages. And, you know, I grew up eating, um, and please do uh, excuse my mispronunciation, um, I kind of have a complex when it comes to the language. I've wanted to learn 
um, but I wasn't able to learn from my grandparents. And whenever I tried to say something um, in Ilocano, I would get made fun of for my accent. So please do excuse that. Um, but I grew up eating dinuguan, uh, kuchinta, sinigang, and halo halo. Like those are my favorite things. They still are. Um, so that's really the only means I feel that I'm really connected with that part of my identity. Growing up, I was in, uh, I was raised in a Roman Catholic family. So coming from that strict religious background, I was always in Catholic school with the exclusion of college and preschool. So I was usually around a lot of fellow Filipinos and Filipinas, and it was really cool because it's like, hey, we come from the same background. But then I'd always feel that disconnect because they could speak the language. They could, you know, make jokes and they'd laugh at it. And I'd just be sitting there feeling really awkward because it's like, I want to connect, but I don't understand that. Um, and I know UH was offering Ilocano language classes, but I think I was just so disconnected from it at that point that I found myself not really wanting to learn it. And instead, I took Korean, which is what I have my certificate in. So even now, I still have a bit of a complex when it comes to trying to connect, because growing up, I've had, you know, I tried my best to, you know, want to learn the language just to have it shot down. And then when I try to speak, I would get, you know, uh, made fun of for it, which in retrospect, it was probably something, you know, um, you know, try to poke fun in a nice way, but at the same time, it was disheartening for someone who was trying to learn and just wasn't really able to have proper access to it growing up. Thank you for sharing. And just to get a clear um, picture, um, could you say, are you full Filipino? Um, just to clear up any confusion. Yeah, sure thing. Um, I am half Filipino. Um, my mother is full, so that's half of my ethnic makeup. Um, my my biological father, he is um, a lot of uh, a lot of different um, ethnicities. Um, are his side of the family? They don't. Uh, they haven't kept really accurate uh, check of what everything we are, <laughs> of what we all are. So we kind of find out every year or so. What you know, what to add to that tree of our family, but primarily I identify from my father's side as Chamorro and Palawan, so I am Filipino as well as Indigenous. Thank you, and I think that kind of helps um, put in the more clear picture in a way. Um, something that I kind of took from when you were speaking when you said you felt a certain disconnect um, due to the language barrier. And even if um, you were raised in certain religious um, back background and values and you were in all your life, you're surrounded by Filipinos, um, the sense of disconnect due to um, feeling of shame of not connecting well with the language by not being able to not understand it um, is something that, you um you have felt over the years and I feel like um so from someone listening to this and even from how I can interpret it is um many people that are Ilocano in some way um has a have a hard time trying to um learn the language because like what you mentioned like when we try to speak it people kind of often will tease us and say oh you're saying it wrong or the way you are saying it is like it's it's funny it's funny it's funny it's funny to hear but I feel like it's that sense of it's okay to um it's okay because that is how we learn and people have um a different way to just um making it because if they're making fun of you then that just means that they they feel kind of envious that you're taking the initiative to learn something. Yeah, I never really thought of it that way, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, just growing up, especially being the firstborn on both, or, uh, both my mother's and my father's side, uh, since they had me very young, I, I felt like... Um, you know, I, I feel like this is a common um, experience among a lot of people who are the oldest in the family and who are kind of conditioned to kind of be, you know, that that child who succeeds at this, who does this, who reaches all these milestones. So I felt that 
you know, in a way, not being able to speak was perhaps a disappointment isn't the correct term, but it, I felt like it was a letdown in a sense, just because, you know, as the oldest, you're expected to do all this stuff, you're expected to uphold all this. And being the person that I am, I find it, especially now during COVID, um, being able to know who you are and know your roots is very important. So me, my, um, this disconnect that I've always had, I feel with my, with the uh, Filipino side of me, um, has given me a little bit of a identity crisis twice. The first was when I was graduating high school. And um, the other one was actually this uh, year, a little earlier in the year, um, right when COVID started happening, because my uh, grandfather, um, my mother's father had passed away. Uh, he had been sick for a very long time. And because he had passed away, I only have my grandmother now. And it kind of made me realize like, wow, you know, I only have my grandma left from my Filip my Filipino side. And I still don't know that much about our culture aside from the food. <laughs> and that kind of, you know, it encouraged me a little more to not have so much of a complex about how I say things necessarily, um, but to also not be afraid to try to dive more into it because I'm a little older now and I have more access to those types of things, like um, the things that I can connect with now in terms of being from the Philippinex community is uh, spirituality, actually, and the practice of plant medicine. I was studying abroad in South Korea this past summer, uh, 2019, and that was really the first time I was, you know, separate from my family for longer than two weeks. <laughs> And so being on my own for three months really gave me the time to think about, you know, what do I really want now that I'm kind of away from the influence of my family? What do what type of person do I want to be? And part of that answer for me was understanding where I came from, because I think you'll you can have a better idea, not necessarily that you have to know this, but I feel like you'll be you'll feel a little more solid knowing where you came from. So now you know where you want to go based on where you came from. And so my um, interest in spirituality, which is, it can be a little conflicting because I came from a, a religious background and religion and spirituality don't necessarily um, go together, at least in the conversations I've had with certain people who are um, religious. And they have been so respectful and open-minded, which I really appreciate. So for me, uh, who I, a person who identifies as a spiritual person, you know, the notion of understanding your ancestors and perhaps the type of wisdom that they pass down or would like to pass down onto you, I find very important because, you know, being able to remember that even though you may not remember who your ancestors are, you are a part of this long lasting legacy. And even though it can be a little scary to hear about because it's like oh my gosh like I have to carry on this family line how am I going to do this how am I going to do that I think it also brings a sense of peace knowing that you know you come from this long line of people um, for example on my biological father's side on his Palawan side we are from a clan so knowing oh my gosh I come from a clan of powerful people powerful warriors you know this is something to be proud of and while it may be difficult to integrate certain traditional practices, it's still, you know, good to know where you come from so you can know who you would like to be. And if that aligns with your ancestors or if it doesn't, it's good to know that you have that power, you have that wisdom, you have that blood running through your veins. And that's something I've learned to be a little more proud of um, within these past couple of months. I like how you mentioned that and kind of like going on with the how do you see your cultural heritage? But just wanted to a little bit and highlight what you just mentioned um, about like when about the um, the fact when you mentioned the spirituality and planning and that's how you kind of get, like connect to your own cultural identity because I feel like the very first step in trying to know our history and know ourselves is discovering of what we like first and then from there um we start to kind of um go into our own cultural heritage so i really feel like that was a really good tie-in 
especially transitioning to the next question. Yeah, definitely. I, I do apologize. I took a glance at the questions and I was like, well, I think this would be a good <laughs> way to kind of bring that in a little more. Um, though I, I do also want to give some credit to a podcast that I became aware of thanks to YouTube. It's called Stories with Sapphire. And it the host, her name is Sapphire Sandalo. She used to, she founded and used to run this YouTube series called Snarled in which she would animate and narrate um, different superstitions and ghost stories from all these people around the world. But what made me feel a little more connected with her was that she said uh, every time she would show up in a video, she'd be like, hi, Adings, it's your Ate Sapphire. And I'm like, I know those words. <laughs> and a lot of what she talks about in that podcast, um, I haven't been able to catch up with season two, but I know in season one, especially, she would always give little anecdotes about her um, her experiences with her Lolo and the different types of stories that they talked about. And, you know, it kind of ties in with my spiritual side. Um, I've always been a skeptic, but I do believe, obviously, because I'm a spiritual, that there are other forces out there in this world. And her talking about her experiences, as well as, um, you know, shamans, the power of, yeah, the, the power that people can have it really appealed to me because being a spiritual, it made a lot of sense. And me being able to tie my spiritual self a little more into my cultural identity, I think, gave me an extra leg up when it came to trying to understand more about the culture that I come from, a culture that I I feel that I've never really had the chance to sincerely connect with. And because of Sapphire's podcast, I was able to learn more about um, Herbalaria, which is a... Um, it's essentially this, um, it's a company that focuses on Filipino plant and energy medicine. The um, owner, she is actually a, descent, a descendant of, from a line of shamans, which I think is very interesting, especially coming from uh, a religious background in which all of these things were necessarily seen in a positive light. So, you know, breaking that, um, the, that learned idea that everything that isn't considered you know, correct in a Roman Catholic sense, learning that it's a part of your culture and it's not something that's evil, it's not something that's negative, is very empowering, um, especially because it's something that I now align myself with as a spiritual person. I think I've heard of that podcast, but I actually went off and Google searched it and I, I, and I heard of her. She's a really good um, podcast host and like that's a really amazing thing to hear that you were able to relate and with her story and the thing that at the beginning um and i just remembered something you mentioned uh, at the very beginning of the recording that um you weren't really good at pronouncing Ilocano, but when you were speaking you were actually speaking well so i just wanted to um give you a little praise on that one because i forgot to mention in the beginning <laughs> but thank you I and with that. that um i guess to like have a follow-up question because if, um, since you are a recent graduate of UH Manoa, uh, have you taken the IP classes by any? No, I haven't actually. Um, again, whenever, like when I saw that they were offering courses, a part of me was wondering if I should go for it, but um, this isn't necessarily connected with how I view my identity. It's more of what I am interested in. I mentioned earlier that I have a certificate in Korean um, I became interested in Korean culture during a very rough time in my life. Um, at the time, my biological parents had divorced and I was going through a lot of mental and emotional, uh, not to make it sound overdramatic, but at the time it felt like turmoil. Um, and it kind of went downhill when my, uh, ho my sixth grade homeroom teacher, uh, Mary Carvalho, she had passed away from cancer. And so it just wasn't a positive time for me. I, I remember that time, you know, being so gloomy and so dark and being able to find some type of solace through Korean pop. That's how I got into Korean culture. It gave me, um, at first it definitely served as an escape from what I was feeling, but as I got into Korean pop more, um, I wanted to learn the language because I, I wanted to feel excited and happy about something again. And that's what Korean pop was for me. And getting into the culture, it just became, you know, something that 
I thought was very helpful for my growth because I was able to, I guess, find myself through a different culture. And I still respect it to this day. I can speak Korean. Um, when I was younger in grade school and high school, my uh, those schools that I went to didn't offer Korean. So when I saw that UH offered it, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go for it. Because up until that point, I was teaching myself Korean um, through YouTube and whatnot. So because of because my interest in Korean was a lot more than it was in Ilocano due to my, you know, my disconnect and not feeling as aligned with it, I went for Korean instead. Um, I did, however, um, take, I, I used to be in the honors program. Um, it's a great program, but when I realized it didn't align with what I wanted, I decided to drop. But during my time in the program, I had this amazing, amazing professor, um, Professor Pia Arboleta, and she is to this day one of the most inspiring and amazing people, amazing professors I've ever had. And she taught Honors 101. Um, there are two Honors 101 classes, and one of them focused mostly on the STEM classes, and Dr. Pia's class focused more on finding a creative um, edge to your research, you know, finding yourself in your research. And I think um, because she would tell us to refer to her as Ate Pia, <laughs> I felt a lot more closeness with her and her mannerisms and such reminded me a lot of, you know, my grandmother. And I saw a maternal figure in her. I still do to this day. And I think that's where it really started me really digging down into myself, you know, really asking the question of who am I and whatever I identify with, why do I identify that way? And that's also where that disconnect I felt kind of came back in full swing because, you know, sometimes I would hear, you know, Filipino or Ilocano, um, Tagalog words, and I would be like, I know what you're speaking, but I don't understand. And this kind of continued when I took um, Ethnic Studies 101 in the fall of 2018. And I had Professor Rod, he's super cool, um, Professor Rod and my TA, his name's RJ. And, you know, we are all from the Filipinx community and sometimes they'd, you know, say words and I wouldn't understand. And it would just make, it would just remind me that, man, I really don't know. You know, I really don't know our language. But like I said, um, I still have that complex, but it's getting a little better now because I'm making peace with, you know, it's okay to not know and what matters a lot in terms of, you know, seeing who I am and how my culture goes into it. It's more of, you know, making sure that my want to reconnect isn't because of shame, but because I actually want to know, I want to remember who my people are, you know, I want to remember where I come from. So that's, you know, very important to me now, especially after I've, you know, had some time to sit and think about my identity, especially during our stay at home, since we don't really have <laughs> anything else to do at this time. Thank you. And honestly, when I think the more that you were speaking, um, the more I was just like, whoa, it's coming back to full circles. Like when you were speaking, I was kind of drawing a circle and I was just like, whoa, the more that she was feeling lost is the more that um, opportunities keep coming to reconnect you back to your roots, reconnect you to your to who you are. So I really feel like there was a kind of like a, it's almost like your life was a um, becoming like a, a, a script almost. I don't know if that's a good analogy, but, um, but yeah, um, I think the part that you said, it's okay to not know is I, I very, I wanted to just emphasize that because I feel like nowadays, um, it's easy to get lost, but at the same time, it's okay to not know everything about who you are, but it's okay to um, write about things that you do not know so that from there on, like, you're able to be more um, educated into what you need to know. And I feel like that was something that I, I wanted to highlight from that point. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like your analogy of the circle. Um, just because, just in general, a lot of the uh, symbols that I like are of circles, so mandalas, I really like those. Um, there is this one called Ouroboros, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Ouroboros, which is the snake eating its own tail. 
and it represents how everything is cyclical and thing it's kind of like the moon cycles as well everything wanes and waxes and that's kind of how life is you go through these cycles of high times and low times and when you mentioned you know the more that I felt like I was lost the more opportunities that's part of I think why I turned to spirituality um, because how I see spirituality it's more of a personal journey and you trying to find yourself and I I really do believe in divine timing I believe that things happen for a reason I do believe in fate but having said that I do also believe that while you have fate you do have power over the choices you make and the power um, to make things happen for you in your life so when it comes to feeling lost you do have that choice to either stay lost or find a way to find yourself again find a way to find that light and if you can't find the light you become it so a lot of the times at least the, a lot of the 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 disconnect I think came a lot more when I was younger and that's you know during that time it was very turbulent I mean puberty happens right like <laughs> that in itself kind of makes things a little more difficult especially emotional wise but now that I'm a little older and I'm a little more um, I'm able to take a better step back and look at things a little more objectively it, there is a lot of power in not knowing things because at that point you're able to decide if reclaiming that part of your identity is something you want. And, you know, you can analyze why you want it. Like I mentioned, do you want it because you're ashamed that you didn't get the chance before, or do you want it because you really want to reconnect? And I think there's a certain power in being. Mm -hmm. And something that, um, you brought up and and I wanted to share with you um, is the concept of Bahalana and it is uh, it's in Tagalog and it means um, whatever will be will be and this is a really popular um, phrase amongst Filipinos and it's something that you may be interested in knowing so it the use of the phrase is in the contents on the context of somewhat manifest the tendency of Filipinos to humbly submit everything to the higher being during tough times. People who frequently use this phrase don't say anything wrong with it. Even They even see it as a positive thing because it acknowledges that the supreme being has greater power than man. And the, the how scholars interpret Bahalana is sort of a mantra a positive affirmation that helps one to become stronger so when people say bahalana it's a sense of encouraging themselves to deal with whatever situation that comes on in their life and it was just something that i thought i could share with you um especially um what you have shared so far yeah thank you i i feel like i've heard that before and I think, it, like you mentioned, I, I do agree that it's an affirmation because um, for me, I uh, if you ask any of my close friends, they can attest to this, but I am a very anxious person. That's not a, a something I share a lot with people, but I think definitely being able to let your anxieties and worries go and just let, you know, God, the universe or whichever higher being you may believe in or just leaving it out to whoever, even if you don't believe in a specific God, it, it's, it's uplifting because you're freeing yourself of these, you know, potentially self-limiting thoughts. You're freeing yourself from worrying about things that at the end of the day, you don't have control over. You only really have control over how you react to things and how you can come to understand it. So thank you for sharing that. I I'll definitely, um, have to start saying that a lot more to myself no problem and thank you for sharing that parts of yourself and if anything i'm in the process of the editing if you want me to take out certain parts uh, please let me know um but yeah but yeah thank you for sharing parts of yourself and at the same time since you mentioned it already for you what so what does it mean for you to reclaim a Filipino identity? And I kind of want to break this question down in a sense. The first thing I want to ask first is when you hear, when you heard the phrase reclaim our Filipino identity, what was the first thing that came in your head first? 
Um, the first thing that came into my head reclaiming, you know, Filipinx identity was reclaiming a part of me that I feel that I was never fully able to connect to. I wouldn't say something I lost because I think it was always a part of me. But, you know, due to my disconnect, due to my initial shame of not being able to speak the language properly, I just chose to not acknowledge that part. It's kind of like that lingering thought in the back of your head that you kind of think, you know, if you ignore it, it'll go away. Um, but again, that's not to say, you know, it's something I wasn't that I was ashamed of, or it's kind of like something I wasn't ashamed of, but also not exactly proud of, not because it's a negative thing, but just because I, like I mentioned before, I felt like I never had that ability to connect. And I've never been to the Philippines either. I know whenever I mention that um, to my fellow you know, um, my friends that are Filipino, Filipina, they, they're like, what? You haven't been? I'm like, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> so whenever they talk about, you know, mosquitoes in the holy water containers, the hot, humid weather, the typhoons, like, I don't know how to connect with that. But at the same time, you know, being a little older and being able to step back and take a look at my initial insecurities with these, I think now it's taken a little more of a positive definition. So when it comes to reclaiming, it's, you know, you're, you're reclaiming a part that, you know, was for others maybe lost or for me reclaiming something that I had actively chosen not to acknowledge for a variety of reasons. And that kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, being able to face the things that bother you, face the things that, you know, I guess you could say facing your inner demons in a way you're in the journey of reclaiming. It's also a sense of healing um, because like I mentioned, for me, I have a complex, um, not as much, uh, not as much as before, definitely, but, you know, making peace with things like, you know, making peace with being made fun of for saying my accent is super American, um, not being taught really from my parents or my grandparents, which I would have preferred, um, not to say it's bad to learn in the class, but because I had direct access, it would have been cool to learn from them. Um, and just, you know, realizing that, you know, even though in that time, I didn't think I had the power to really do that, I have that now. I, I am a little better, I'm in a better place to think I'm not as affected by the negative emotions I was before, so I can think a lot clearly and I can stay in my power. I can choose where to put my focus toward. And part of that focus is remembering where I come from so I can have a better idea of who I am and what I want to become in the future. And from that, and my follow-up question with that is, I guess right now, um, especially since um, I met you through full grad, um, how could you say um, you feel now about um, reclaiming or reclaiming your own Filipino identity? I'm not sure if that makes sense. No, it did. Um, well, let um, I can give a little more background as to how I got involved with Phil Grad. So um, through ethnic studies, uh, I mentioned I met Professor Rod Labrador um, and RJ. And so RJ, um, I'm not too sure how it's shifted since COVID has happened, but RJ helps a lot with the fundraising and the finances. And I heard that he was selling Ube tickets, um, you know, to help fundraise for Phil Grad. And I said, you know what, you know, who doesn't like Ube? You know, I, I want to help out. I want to help with fundraising. And so I ended up being involved with Philgrad by helping um, with the fundraising. And I, being more involved with Philgrad, granted, I had a very short time with them because COVID kind of shut, uh, not shut it down, uh, COVID cut that time short. It was really humbling, I think, just to see how many of us are from the Philippinex community and it's particularly um, in ethnic studies, I got to meet a lot of amazing Philippine, uh, Philippinex um, individuals and being able to not only see people that look like me, you know, you have representation there, but you also have individual stories, you have 
people who, even though their experiences aren't the same, it's very similar. Um, so that was very comforting to start off with. So it's one thing is reclaiming the idea of reclaiming identity. It's, it's a journey in solidarity, I believe, because when you have so many people like me, for example, who may not have been able to learn a language growing up for those who were never to the, you know, who never been to the Philippines or were born in the Philippines, but moved to America before they could make any substantial memories there. It's, it's definitely something you're not alone in. And the notion of being alone and being with people is definitely something that I've toiled with a lot in my head because I kind of grew up wanting to just rely on myself. I was taught to rely on myself and my logic and not to rely on other people. So knowing that at least in this journey of reclaiming identity, reclaiming who I am, reclaiming who we are, it's it's very powerful. It's it, it reminds you that no matter how different your experiences, people just like you are trying to figure out who they are and you know, the ways in which that happens can be different. But at the end of the day, we're all people just trying to, you know, figure out what way is the best to live our own lives and what we can connect ourselves to. And for a lot of us, it's through reclaiming our culture, reclaiming, you know, what our ethnic backgrounds have provided for us or haven't provided for us based on your circumstances. So just power, like you're gaining your power back, you're gaining more security and stability in who you are, you're learning about yourself. And that's what that means to me, you you being able to acknowledge and recognize the power you have, and the choices you can make to find yourself and reconnect with things you otherwise may have not had the chance to or actively decided you didn't want, but now you want it in your life again. Again, thank you for that. Um, it's really powerful what you mentioned about gaining power and stability, especially being, in being able to acknowledge the power that, that you have in reclaiming your own Filipino identity. And like what you mentioned, um, many different people may reclaim it in many different ways, but it's through their own liking and through their own interests that will lead into like what we have been talking about that will lead into full circle and I feel like um, as I'm seeing a pattern in your story and in your narrative that in anything and any thing that you do um, there's always a sign there's always a symbol that gives you a little bit of that connection into um, rooting yourself in who you are and who your um, cultural background is especially and with that to continue on especially now that you are a recent graduate um, where do you see yourself in the next 10 years or so where do I see myself in the next 10 years that's definitely a good question one that I think about often I tend to be a, a very forward-thinking um for those who are aware of Enneagrams, I hope I'm saying that correct. It's basically like the Myers-Briggs test, it's a personality test. And for me, I'm number six, which is known as the skeptic. Skeptics um, value security and stability a lot um, because at least for me, it's, it's really difficult to be comfortable and to feel like you have the chance to be yourself if you don't feel safe and secure. So that's the number one thing I strive to do in all things I do. I you know, if I want to feel safe, I need to make sure that I'm making sure that the people I interact with feel safe with me. In ethnic studies, a huge thing was a safe, brave space. And so when I think about myself in the next 10 years, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, I imagine myself in a place in which I feel safe and secure, a lot more grounded than I am now, and a lot more connected to my ethnic backgrounds. Um, because I, as I mentioned, I'm very forward thinking and I have these types of discussions, especially with my partner, um, because when we started, um, you know, dating, we made it very clear to each other what we wanted. And part of that was marriage. And so in 10 years, like I see working toward, if not already having a solid, safe foundation 
for not just, you know, our future family, but for myself. Um, I see myself being successful in whatever field I would like to go in and being able to feel safe and feel connected to my ancestors and feel connected to this wisdom and being able to better integrate that into my life. So whether that be through plant medicine um, or practicing any of my family's traditions, you know, any type of cultural practices that my family does on their own. Um, For me, like right now, plant medicine is very um, resonating, uh, resonant. (laughs) Um, Especially now when it comes to health stuff, I think it's very important to not only, you know, rely on, you know, Western health systems and medicine, but also important to remember that at least for our people, we were able to get medicine and heal from the land. So being able to learn the ways in which we used to do that in a sustainable way and bring that into fruition in modern times, I think that would be super cool. I tell all my friends, you know, I'm going to have a garden. I'm going to grow all these herbs and it's going to be awesome. So if there's anything I could pinpoint exactly, I'm definitely going to have a garden (laughs) Um, in which I'm able to, you know, practice plant medicine and obviously feel a lot more at peace with my identity and where I came from and being able to solidly move forward, knowing that I am supported by not just, you know, my family who are alive um, now, but also, you know, by the power of the ancestors that have worked hard so that I can be where I am. Because without the actions of them, I probably wouldn't be here. I like that. And when you were mentioning, um, I will be in the next 10 years, you will be um, surrounded by all the plants. I just, it, it, it was kind of picturing the thing I saw on Pinterest of a cartoon of a, of a woman and then like a cartoon woman and then she was just sitting around and there was just plants all over her and like I could picture you like being that I think that's really beautiful and really wonderful and the thing about like traditional planting medicine like there I feel like like seeing you as of right now I really feel like that is something that will truly root you more and even going back with what you said um, the enneagram that you are it's really funny because i took that test today and it's really funny how we both have the same enneagrams and when you were speaking i was like no yeah like no wonder why i felt like the the it felt like so connected like we have we have the same enneagram um i mean yeah so before i i had a eight now I have six so I'm just like when you were saying like oh I'm enneagram six I was like me too (laughs) (laughs) oh wow no that's awesome and that that makes me feel a little more at peace as well because you know you're able to connect with you know what I'm saying as well and I yeah I that's awesome (laughs) that Those personality tests, even after this oh, podcast, they're, they're like, if there's a lot, um, I know there's someone that I know. Um, she is a huge advocate for plant medicine and especially like working around and embedding plant medicine within our own cultural identity. I could totally have you guys connected. Um, her name is Rebecca. She is, uh, she was in the master program. She graduated this semester. And she um, is an Ilocana, so and she roots herself with it through um, the study of plants. Um, she she has a way of um, connecting plants with our history. So I feel like if you meet her, um, that will truly um, ground you even more. Because she's a very um, a really great person to meet. So that was one thing that. Um, went into my head when you were speaking is like I feel like you should meet her in, in some way. I would love that. Thank you. I um I recently like my interest in plant medicine has always been there, but especially with you know the things that are going on health wise in the world it made me it just reiterated to me the importance of not only, you know, relying on Western medicine, but also remembering that there are, you know, complementary ways to do it as well. Um I actually purchased this topical um, lotion from um, this place called Indigo Elixirs. Um, 
the owner, she's Armenian, and she studied at UH actually with the ethnobotany, uh, ethnobotany as her master's. And she was just telling, you know, people who were watching her live, that's where she was uh, talking about it, that um, that's how, like, La'au Lapa'au as well, um, classes at the, um, through Hawaiian studies and learning all that. And I, I would love to talk with uh, Rebecca. Is that, Did I hear you correctly? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think especially too, um, if meeting her would definitely help me feel grounded because it's not, again, it's kind of like an application of something that I'm comfortable with, which is spirituality, and then better integrating a cultural aspect, I think that will help me feel a lot more connected, especially because it's, you know, it's adding onto something that um, I'm familiar with. So it's like familiar enough to be comfortable, but unfamiliar enough to be excited to learn new things. So I would love that to, to meet her. Thank you for sharing that. No, no problem. And to give a little wrap up and to continue on with the podcast is, what is that one advice that you would like to give to the next generation who are feeling kind of um, disconnect in the sense of um, because we are living in a digital age and like the next generation is all in their phones and media, um, it's easy to like um, to, to search up um, what does it mean to be Filipino kind of thing. But what is the advice you would give them for those who are ashamed, especially those who may be feeling like you did when you um, started? Yeah, some, some advice I'd like to give is, well, uh, first, to, before I get into that, I would like them to know that they aren't alone in feeling disconnected and there's nothing wrong about feeling that way. Um, I think especially when it comes to stereotypical, you know, Asian families in general, feeling things, feeling sad, feeling down, a lot of it is seen as taboo. But I want people to know that feeling that way, feeling negative, especially when it comes to your identity, cultural identity, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't make you a bad person for feeling disconnected because there's an obvious reason why. And I just want, you know, them to realize that, you know, that shame they may feel, that disconnect, that's not them. It's something, it's an obstacle that can be overcome. But at the same time, they have to make that choice whether or not, you know, that's something they want to overcome, first of all. I do think it's really easy to get stuck, you know, thinking like, oh, you know, this is such a bad thing, you know, how am I ever going to be able to do this? Will I ever be able to integrate? Will I ever be able to learn about it? And part of that decision has to be on there. And you have to be able to remember your inner power. Whenever I talk to people, like if people come to me for advice, a lot of what I notice is that a lot of the issues stem from people forgetting just how much power they have and to never forget they have that power to reconnect when they feel like they need to reconnect. Um, and also to when you're talking about what does it mean to be Filipino, Filipina, it, it can't be something that is gen generally defined. It, it's part of you as well. It's how you feel about your you know, your identity is how you see yourself living aligned with that culture, cultural part of yourself. So the advice, if you feel disconnected, don't feel ashamed about it. Really think about, you know, if you want to reconnect and if you do, find a way that is most healthy and most natural for you. Because that I also find that wanting to reconnect with something, it's not something that can be forced otherwise it's not going to be, be sincere it's not going to be fun it's not going to be as fulfilling so making sure that reconnecting is something that you want and realizing that you do have the power to do that you're fine once you get there you may not know all the answers it's okay to not know what's more important is that you know in your heart that reclaiming a part of yourself is what you want and I believe that everything will fall into place and then I And with that said, I think that was really a great way to wrap up this episode. And for anyone that will be listening, I think that will be a really healing thing for them because that's something that we continuously need to hear. And because we live in an age where um, it's easy to be lost, especially um, people often cancel each other 
for not knowing enough about our certain culture. So I think this is a really healing way to end the episode. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And because I never end this podcast without asking two general fun facts, fun question, which is, what is your favorite Filipino dish? And what is your what is your favorite Filipino phrase or word that you have heard? Oh, man. Okay. A favorite dish. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> um, oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll go with this one. Uh, is it, <laughs> I, I, I always find it interesting to see people's reactions when I say this, but dinuguan is my favorite. I grew up eating it. Um, and it's this is it's kind of funny because I have a phobia of blood, <laughs> so yeah. So I oh. mean, it's it's really strange for me. I think it's alongside the blood. It's more so not understanding where it's coming from. So if I fall, I get a scrape. I don't freak out because I know what happened. But if it's like a nosebleed, oh my friend, I'm gone. Like <laughs> it, I I fainted multiple <laughs> times because of blood. So. I didn't learn that Dinuguan is cooked in pork's blood until maybe I was like six years old. But at that point, I was so in love with it that I didn't really, it didn't really bother me. <laughs> um, I don't eat it as often now because I know how um, there's a lot of sodium in it. But if you don't mind me sharing, I remember when I was much younger, perhaps four or five years old, I was eating at the Pearl Ridge Food Court. And the name of the place eludes me right now, but there's a Filipino food place and I was just sitting there um, being so short that I that my legs couldn't reach the floor so I was just dangling them happily eating the dinuguan and this older uh, older fellow walked by saw what I was eating looked at my dad and said she's eating that and then my dad just started laughing he's like yeah she is <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that's um that's my favorite Filipino dish and my favorite word. Um honestly, I think it's ate, like older sister because being I'm the oldest uh child on both my mother and father's mm-hmm. side and I think you know, I I think it's cool being the oldest, you know, um but I think even more so people who are you know in this position of being older and who have these expectations of you know kind of being the poster child the one setting all the expectations for everyone else I think it's very comforting to be able to look toward an older figure for guidance and you know just someone to tell them that it's gonna be okay that you'll be okay and that you know whatever negative things you're feeling right now it will pass so just having that older wise guidance figure um, definitely is, is a word I find very, um, very endearing. Yeah. And with that said, um, I guess to follow up with your favorite word, um, ate, have you been called ate before in your entire life? No, actually I haven't. Um, well, my, my, I do have two younger brothers, but, um, they they um don't know how to speak yet either. My nine year old brother he's speech delayed, mm-hmm. so just talking in general um is a little slower for him. He's he's made so much progress, and I'm so proud of him. Um, and my youngest brother he's five years old. Uh, he hasn't had the chance to learn it either, so they usually just call me sister. But I have had um not in um Ilocano or Tagalog, but because um. I was kind of the girl to go to when you wanted to learn anything about Korean culture in my at my in grade school and junior high. I had a lot of my um, male classmates call me Nuna, and Nuna is the term that males use to call older female figures, and that re- that means older sister. So in that case, <laughs> I've been called that, but Ate, not, not yet. I think soon. That'd be cool. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> And I think that's really cool. Um, I guess in general, in informal conversation now with that, um, I think there's something beautiful with um having a younger sibling and being able to um pass on 
what you want to teach them? And is that something that you want to um, teach your younger siblings? Oh, definitely. Um, because, you know, given how I grew up, when, when it came to, you know, the emotional, mental turmoil um, when I was in grade school and having to navigate through all these emotions, like, it's, it, to me, it's one of those things where it's like, I've been there. And I know how hard it can be. So, and I don't want you to go through that. Like a huge thing that uh, what I would like to become for my brothers, if anything is, you know, I, I call it a lighthouse. Um, so, you know, being that person that if people need help, if people need a safe, a safe place, I want to be able to offer that to them if I can be that person in that capacity. So for my brothers, um, passing down what I know from my experiences and what I will continue to learn, being that person that they can come to if they feel like they have nowhere else to go. Like, I want to be that person for them. And so passing down, you know, knowledge and whatnot, definitely I do that with them now. We have a garden out back. We grow bananas. We um, raise butterflies since we have crown flowers um, up front in front of our home. And, you know, teaching them like, hey, so this is how you take care of animals. Like, this is how you take care of a butterfly. Um, you can't force them to do this. You have to let them do their own thing. Oh, this is how you water plants. This is how you take care of the earth. You know, those kind of things. I, I try to do that whenever I can. Um, my youngest brother, he's <laughs> he knows how to, um, to, he's very sassy and he knows how to talk back. So whenever we, you know, get into arguments, it's um, it's usually, you know, like he'll say something and then I'll say, hey, that's um, there's a nicer way to say that or um, here's a different way to look at it. And just being able to have that ability to be that older sister figure and being able to, you know, teach them things, even if they, you know, at the time may not agree or they think it's completely weird. Um, it, it's still an important experience and, excuse me, uh, important experience and just important, you know, time that can be spent. Because like I mentioned, on this journey of reclaiming who you are, you're not alone in that. Everyone's trying to figure out who they are and what they can connect to, what uh, what they can do to feel like they are safe and grounded and, you know, well-equipped enough to do the things that they want. So if I'm able to be that lighthouse, that safe, that safety figure for my brothers and you know perhaps for other people if they need me to be that then I, I'd be happy to and with that saying thank you for sharing your story and your narrative with us and I hope that in the future that wherever time comes that you truly do find the peace the serenity and that sense of um um, not acceptance, but I guess um, a sense of being completely rooted in your identity. And I feel like parts of it is being able to acknowledge who you are, and that's what you sh shared with us here today. Thank you for saying that, and I, I do have to extend a thank you for you know wanting to listen to my story. I used to work for the newspaper, so I'm usually the one who would give interviews. So it's it's pretty interesting having the script um, a little bit. Um, but I hope that you know for whatever my narrative is worth, that people um, are able to resonate with it and hopefully find some encouragement um, in whatever I said this evening. So thank you for your time. And that's a wrap on season four, episode one with Kai. I'm really thankful for having her on this podcast and allowing us to capture her story because there's a really valid points in where she came from and the idea that she continues to bring up about uh, how fate kind of just brings her closer to her cultural identity. And with that said, it kind of reminded me of when I first started, not first started, but when I came back into learning my, relearning my culture. 
especially because it's it's not going to be an overnight thing like learning your culture and understanding it it's not going to take it in one setting it really takes a lot of your understanding yourself understanding the history and asking questions most especially and i think that's one of the things when it comes about knowing who we are and getting to know our identity and i something i really wanted to change from all the past podcasts that i had is this question i want to leave you guys what makes you filipino and yes it's kind of a broad question and you're probably asking yourself you're probably asking me like why is she asking that like what makes you filipino like that's kind of like a broad question and like there is literally so many ways you can answer that question and i just want you to take the time to ponder on it because the next episodes is going to be more i guess thought-provoking in a way but with that said feel free to follow us on our instagram at reclaiming filipinx identity and subscribe to us on our youtube page feel free to binge watch our mental health quintuhan episodes all of the 10 episodes is now available feel free to comment and share your takeaways with each of the mental health and if you have any suggestions and how and how can we bring about more content let us know by emailing us dm us on instagram and if you want to be featured on our podcast leave us a voice message on anchor fm and with that said thank you guys so much i would have one more thing to say and it's for the old listeners and new listeners thank you if you can consider supporting us on our anchor page we have a support where you can donate either uh, any monetary donations that you would like to give us uh, that would be really think that would be really helpful, especially with coming up with new content for you guys and uh, sharing our narratives with y'all. And yeah, thank you guys so much, and I look forward to I look forward to the next episode. Don't you? Bye, guys. And everything that I just said will be in the show notes below, alongside with brief intro for Kai. Bye guys!